0: What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is the Mesh.
1: This episode of the Caregiver Community is sponsored by Pace at Home. During this uncertain time, Pace at Home is enrolling participants who wish to continue to remain at home. Partnering with families, Pace at Home provides caring medical support for all of our program's participants. Visit us on our website or give us a call at 828 828- 828 to talk with a representative that can discuss with you the Pace at Home all-inclusive medical approach. Pace at Home is the champion for seniors wishing to remain in their community. Welcome to the caregiver community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents as well as caring for ourselves. I'm Frances Hall, founder and executive director of ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents. There are now an estimated 20 million adult children in the United States and many more millions worldwide who are caring for aging parents and are concerned about their own life as they age. In this podcast, we're talking about What's fueling you as you care for your aging parent? In other words, what are the motivations, the goals, the emotions involved in caring for an aging loved one? And what are the messages we tell ourselves as we care for them? How could recognizing and understanding these help us find strength we probably didn't realize we had? Our interviewee for this podcast is Mary Remus. Mary is an elder care guide certified life coach, and relationship expert. She has a bachelor's degree in health services administration with an emphasis in long-term care from the University of South Dakota. She was licensed as a nursing home administrator in the states of Nebraska, Michigan, and Iowa, and her coaching certification is from the Life Coach School. Her mother suffered from dementia, and following her death, Mary became committed to helping adult children change the way we experience life and relationships with our aging parents. Hi, Mary. How are you today?
0: I'm fantastic. Thank you. It's so fun to be here.
1: It's good to have you here. Thank you. We also have A.J. Curley with us as my co-interviewer. A.J. is the Director of Professional Relations at Pace at Home at Hickory, North Carolina, the sponsor for our podcast. A.J. has worked in various aspects of health care for her entire career, helping seniors and their caregivers access community resources, develop plans of care, and flourish in their chosen environments. A.J., it is great to have you with
2: us today. Thank you, Francis. It's great to be here.
1: Thank you. Mary, there is so much behind the scenes of what goes on inside us as we care for an aging parent or loved one. We have the dynamics of historical relationship with our parent or loved one, the relationship with our siblings, and of course, the relationship with our spouse and kids. We have all sorts of memories, joys, hurts, motivations, and messages from the past. So, unpacking all of that is really interesting and really important. But let's start with getting to know a little more about you and what has led you to this point.
2: Mary, as Frances uh, mentioned, you were your mother's caregiver. Journeying with or caring for someone with dementia can be extremely challenging, as we know. You started becoming aware of how everything works together and helps us experience the joys as well as the challenges of caring for an aging parent. As a result of your mother's situation, what did you learn from your experience with your mom?
0: Well, AJ, you know I learned so much that it's hard to narrow it down. I mean, we could do an entire podcast on that subject alone. <laughs> um, but so a little bit about me: I am one of five living siblings. And three of us, including myself, live several states away from our mother. So my older brother and his wife were the boots on the ground people. They were the ones dealing with the day-to-day, the day-in and day-out issues that come with caring for an aging parent. And I think one of the things that I feel is most valuable to everybody um, that I can share based on my experience being that geographically distant caregiver but the person with the most experience and exposure to geriatrics and long-term care is that um, every adult child will have a different opinion about what to do, how to do it, when to do it and why we're doing it. And chances are really good that every one of those people with their unique opinion is a little bit right and a little bit wrong. And there's just not a clearly defined way to do this, right? There's no manual that we get. There's no handbook that comes when our parent passes that 75th birthday. So I find that one of the most important things that I learned is that accepting the people in your family system for exactly, as, exactly who they are, exactly as they are in this moment, is the shortest route to peace for you. I promise every time. And you know, recognizing, like Francis said, we all bring our own beliefs about our siblings. We all bring our own memories and our thoughts about our parents and our childhood experience. We all bring that into the equation today. And that can cloud how we see the current situation. And I find that when you can set aside all of the old thoughts that you have about your, the people in your family system, and you can be open to the idea of just allowing everyone Everything from the past to stay in the past and allowing everybody to be who they are now, you have the best chance for you to be who you want to be in whatever years remain with your family. Um, You know, the other thing that I learned that's probably worth mentioning, I think this is really important. Our aging parents have different goals than we do for them. And convincing them to do something they don't want to do because of the benefit for them. It's just not effective. Most elderly parents want to, most elderly people want to remain independent, even if it means they're not going to live as long, right? They value independence and autonomy over years of life. Most of us, on the other hand, we want them to live a long time. um, And we think that they should give up some of their independence so that they can stay safe and live a long time. So you can see how there's conflicting goals here. And it's a perennial struggle. And sometimes just recognizing that their goal is different than ours helps us to have compassion when we're communicating with them about some of the sensitive matters around the choices that they're making. So those are two of the many things that I learned as an adult child of an aging parent.
1: Oh, Mary, you have just said so much in just that. We could pick apart several of those and do a whole podcast just on specific pieces of that. Um, Certainly, (laughs) as, as you are just saying, caring for an aging parent or other aging loved one can be difficult at times. How can we frame or reframe our perspectives so we can experience, as you call it, or as you say, experience joy, peace, and satisfaction as we care for the aging loved one beyond what you've just said in terms of just taking taking people exactly where they are.
0: Francis. you know, this is what I love so much and what I value so much about the work that I've done on myself and the work that I'm able to do with the people that I help. Because- Let's face it, there is so much that we can't control in our world, especially in our aging parents' world, right? So becoming really good at managing our minds and framing situations in a way that serves us is huge. It makes all the difference. And the foundation of the work that I do as a coach and that I did on myself and that I do with my clients is based on the premise that all circumstances, all situations that we encounter are neutral until we have a thought about them. Right? Our thoughts about any circumstance create the way we feel and the emotion that we experience. All of the actions or all the things that we do or say or the things that we do, don't do or don't say are fueled by how we're feeling in the moment. And remember, how we feel is based on how we feel or how we think. So the action that we take, the things that we do, always create the results in our life. So it's like this circle right? And it's always going to be that way. You ever notice when you feel like you're reacting to a situation as opposed to responding? It's that feeling in that moment that's driving your response, right? And oftentimes it's a reaction that we have without thinking. So you can see how becoming aware of what you're thinking and deciding if your thoughts are serving you well is how you begin to reframe things in a way that's beneficial. And here's the thing. We think that just because we have a thought, it's true. Nowhere in our curriculum of academics or life are we sat down and taught how to think. We're really not. And left unmanaged, left unattended, our brains offer us a whole lot of thoughts. And sometimes the thoughts that we have just aren't true. And sometimes even the thoughts that we have that are true. Aren't useful. They're just not beneficial to hold on to, right? So, the way you know that to reframe a thought, you have to think about, you know, how does that thought that you're having make you feel? How do you know how it makes you feel? Remember, your feel the way you feel is always fueled or always fuels the actions that you take. So, here's an example. I guess the best way I can explain this is an example. I've heard a lot of times people will say to me, Mary, I just want to be a good daughter. Or, mm-hmm. I just want my mom to be happy. You know, she didn't have an easy life. I just want her to be happy. Those both sound like really lovely, good, noble thoughts, right? They think like good thoughts. I would surely want to hold on to that. But when you pause and consider, how do I feel? Like just drop into yourself and think, how do I feel when I have the thought, I just want my mom to be happy. And okay, for me, it brings up some pressure. I feel a little bit of pressure if I want mom to be happy. And if I'm feeling pressure, how do I show up for my mom? Well, I probably show up needy. I'm needy for her to be happy. I um, probably hustle to create opportunities or things for her to do or for me to do that I think are going to make her feel happy. Um, I then start to use her happiness as a barometer for how well I'm doing and If she doesn't respond the way I think she will, then I can judge her. Right. And then I, I, you know, I'm also the thing I'm not doing is I'm not allowing her to have that full human experience of sometimes we're happy and sometimes we're not. So this puts a lot of pressure on mom started out with pressure on me. I shift that pressure on mom to be happy and it keeps me responsible for how she feels. All of this is coming from a thought that on the surface seemed like a really good thought, really noble thought to have. So, reframing that thought, you know, I'm not saying that that's that's a terrible thought. I'm just saying let's reframe that thought. You know, you can reframe it in a way that sounds like, okay, yes, I want my mom to be happy. And I know that part of the full human experience is that there's going to be times when she's not happy. It doesn't mean anything's gone wrong. It just means that This is that part in her story where she's not happy. It's okay. Relieves the pressure on me. And when I don't feel that pressure, I can show up in a little bit more compassionate, understanding way for her. That's an example of reframing thoughts in a way that serves us and it serves our parents.
1: That is so important. And boy, you are, you are singing my song. (laughs) I can remember all of those years of, but I am supposed to take care of everything and make it all okay for mom, Mm -hmm. you know, and you are absolutely correct. The pressure on me and, and the pressure on her was awful, Mm -hmm. just awful. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important stuff.
0: Yeah. It's hard to see that, you know, when you are in the midst of it, unless you're really practiced at dumping your thoughts out and looking at them and just like holding them and saying, you know, really, is this, is this a good idea? And most of us aren't you, there's no way for you to be able to do that. It's hard to do it until you learn how.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Mary, I think you're right on point with everything you just said. Um, we've all experienced that on one level or another. So um, so moving on to the next part of this, and you've touched a little bit on this, but a lot of times caregivers are struggling with the decisions that have to be made or for with whatever's going on with their loved one or for their loved one. What are some key issues that often hold people back? from confidently making tough decisions and what can they do about those issues
0: that's a really good question because there's a lot of decisions that need to be made all along the path of caring for an elderly an aging parent and i find for me and it holds true for everybody else that i know that when when i'm coming from a good place in my mind when i've got my thoughts cleaned up about things i'm able to make decisions confidently because confidently because i know I am enough. I know I'm doing enough. And I know that it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. But that's not where most people, that's not where a lot of people are in the role as as an adult child, right? It's certainly not in the beginning. And often they're making decisions fueled by fear. And when it's fueled by fear, you limit your ability to see all the options available to you, right? Another sneaky thing that holds us back. And what I find people um, really, one of the issues that really affects a lot of people is this idea that there's a right and a wrong decision or that we make good or bad decisions, right? How often have we had the thought, oh, that was a terrible decision or, I mean, you know, it, with our adult kids, <laughs> they made the wrong decision, right? Or I hope they make the right decision. And I think we need to be really careful about how we talk about these kind of things to ourselves. And I really want to challenge that thought of Right or wrong decisions, or good or bad decisions, because I think that's what holds us back from making decisions because we're afraid of making the wrong one. Or we make the decision a much bigger issue than it needs to be, right? What if we decided that there are no right or wrong decisions? We just make a decision based on the information available to us in this moment, and we keep making decisions with that formula here are the facts that I know. Here's the decision that makes sense. Tomorrow I get up and I do the same thing. And just really bringing it down into the daily level of what do I need to decide today? And, and being able to know that I'm going to make a decision and I'm not going to judge that decision harshly if it doesn't things don't turn out the way I expected them to do the way I expected them to turn out, right? We don't judge the decision that we made last month based on what we know today. That is unreasonable. And yet it's something that we tend to do. The other thing that we do with decisions is when we make a decision and it doesn't turn out the way we expected it to, we assume that the other decision would have been better. But that's also not true. It might have been worse. We don't know. But our brain wants us to think that it would have been better if we had decided something else. I see this a lot with families when they are faced with making big decisions about care for their parent. Mm. Let's say that you decide it's time to get more help for mom. She's in her home. You hire in-home care. It's going well. Until the day mom falls and breaks her hip. And now she's got hip replacement surgery and she's in three months of short-term rehab to rehabilitate. It's really tempting. And your brain is going to offer you that it would have been better to hire that other company. had better employees, should have made a different decision, or should have brought her into your own home and hired people here. Then you could have looked after them, right? Or... Maybe it was time. Maybe we should have put her in assisted living to begin with all of those thoughts. Your brain is going to offer them because it's judging the decision that you made. And it's just, there's absolutely no upside to doing that. Right. It's just not true that you made the wrong decision. It it just didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to. So now you've got new facts. You've got new circumstances. What decision do we want to make today based on what we know today? I think when you decide to believe that there are no good or bad decisions, there's really no right or wrong. There's just a decision that you make based on what you know today. And you make that knowing, I'm not going to beat myself today, next week, based on what I know then, It, it, it just becomes a little bit more manageable. And those monumental decisions seem not quite so daunting or quite so scary.
1: And that feels like, you know, to sum all of that up is to show yourself grace.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) If we could all have a lot more grace for ourselves, it would be different. Everything would be different. Yeah. But boy, that's a tall order at times. It is. We have to be very intentional. We've got to be very deliberate because people are going to hand it to us, right? And before we can, before we can truly have grace and compassion for others, we've got to have it for ourselves first.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, that kind of, kind of moves us into another question. Um, So many people, so many times people are torn between all the things they're trying to do and, and they wind up feeling like they're not doing anything well. So how can people feel better about what they are doing? This is grace, but can you, can you help us with that a little more? How do you do
0: that? Sure. Yeah, this is a huge issue for us as humans, right? In every area of our life with our kids, with our career paths in our community, you know, how do we know, how do we feel better? How do we know that we're doing enough? How do we know that we're doing it right? And it's especially true in the role of our the role we take on as as an adult child of an aging parent. And, you know, the short answer is you decide. You decide to feel better. You decide that you're doing enough. You decide that you're doing it right. We're conditioned to look outside of ourselves for indicators that we're doing enough and that we're doing it right. And, you know, like we said before, sometimes we use our parents' happiness as a barometer for how well we're doing. Sometimes, oftentimes, we're conditioned to think, to care more about what other people think of what we're doing and what other people think of us than what we think of us. And that's very dangerous. So we've got to get out of that. I mean, who decides what enough looks like? Who decides exactly what right is? You know, does it change from day to day? Is it different for me than it is for my sister? You know, there's so many questions I have about this concept of enough and, and being better. Um, and when I ask clients this, you know, how, how are you going to know when you're doing enough? How will you know when when it's right? They can't answer because we haven't paused to think about that. That's the way our brain protects us. It keeps us like this elusive goal out there. And we can't ever really attain it because we haven't paused to just. Dis- to define it. Okay. Welcome to the human brain. It's very complex and it's very powerful and, you know, using it to our advantage. It's huge. One thing I know for certain is we are all fully human. And that means we're all flawed. That's actually good news because just like everything else in the world, <laughs> we're 50, 50 means that half the time we are these loving, compassionate, amazing humans. And we take care of others and we take care of ourselves and we get the laundry done, right? (laughs) (laughs) The other 15 days of the month, you know, we're self-centered, we're (laughs) impatient. We snap at our mother when she calls us three times, wanting to know why the paper hasn't been delivered, right? That's just part of being human. We say we know that there's no such thing as perfect, yet we all have this vast amount of energy that we use trying to attain it. And I think we have to check in with ourselves. We have to get really good at having grace for ourselves and checking, just check in with myself daily. How are you doing, love? What do you need? How are you feeling? Really, how are you feeling? I mean, if you have to have a dialogue with yourself in the mirror after you brush your teeth, why not? (laughs) I love that. It might be the best conversation you have all day and you have to take care of you. I tell you what, when I decided that I was just going to be the world's most okay daughter, it got easier. It really did. That meant that sometimes I was going to show up and be amazing. Sometimes I was going to really mess up. and. It was okay. And when I, what I found was that when I was able to give myself that grace, when I was able to accept that I was okay, it's just okay. I was able to accept that in other humans too, right? So when my brother didn't show up the way I thought he should, I could say, oh, that's right. This is just the part of his story. It's just a 50% that's not so great. It's okay. That other 50% will come around. Just have to wait it out. It'll be here, right? It becomes easier. I'm not, and I'm not saying it's easy. It never gets easy, but it becomes easier and it becomes more manageable, right? Interesting.
1: You know, Mary, as you're talking, I'm looking at AJ and I know AJ's background and I know what AJ is doing now. And I just think, and AJ, how many times have you seen some of this demonstrated in your clients?
2: Oh, yeah, all the time. What Mary has been talking about, I mean, I even see it myself as my parents are aging and in the families that I've dealt with over the years. So, yeah, like I said before, you're definitely on point with what you're saying. And the grace part is probably the most difficult part. We put such high expectations on ourselves and everybody's looking at us maybe as the primary person. So, yeah, grace would be the hardest part, I would say, at least for me and in the families, excuse me, that we've served over the years.
0: You know, I think our society in so many ways, striving to be the best is very useful and very admirable. But I think that it also left untempered can be very dangerous. And it doesn't mean that I mean, when I say I'm, my goal is to be the most OK daughter out there. It doesn't mean that the, you know, the, the way that I show up is going to suddenly, you know, melt down and diminish and go away. It actually means that I'm going to relax. And when I relax, I can, you know, once again, what fuel is driving my action when I'm relaxed, probably actually going to be able to do more or do more longer than when I am so wrapped up and stressed out and trying to be enough and better. You're right. You're exactly right.
2: I completely agree with what you're saying. So we're gonna we're gonna move on to something and this is gonna be hard for you, Mary. It's gonna be hard okay. because we're gonna ask you to name the number one thing we can do to change the way we experience the challenges of caring for an aging loved one. What would it be
0: and how can we
2: embrace it?
0: You're right, that is hard. It is hard. but there is a really simple answer. Um, you ready? Yes. Taking notes. Yeah. Right? Get ready. <laughs> you have to right fast because it's long. <laughs> Just love them. And you, right? I mean, imagine if we paused in those challenging moments when we are about to respond to a situation, whether it's with a sibling in a discussion with our parent with a caregiver and asked ourselves this question, what would love do here? And just what would love do? And remember, I mean, I think that that is enough to stop the brain from the rapid fire thoughts it's offering us to recenter and, and get really comfortable with, nothing's gone wrong here. What would love do? Who do I want to be? Right? And when you shift into a different fuel, just for a minute, you can show up how you want to. And, you know, remember there's so little that you can control in your role as an adult child with your aging parent, the best thing you can do for yourself and for them. I think, I mean, you know, this is, I've seen it play out time and time again in my life, in every area of my life, but it's to become aware of what I'm thinking and what the thoughts are creating for me. And, you know, slow down, pause, and then be really intentional, be very, very choosy about what I'm thinking. And when I have a thought that doesn't serve me, let it go, set it down. Even if it feels true, just be willing to set it down. I find, here, you know, I find asking myself the question, what else might be true? That also is like a, it's like a speed bump for my brain, right? What else might be true here? It gives me an opportunity to pause and, and look for another way. I used to think, I used to have this thought on the regular. My mom is so stubborn. My mom is just so stubborn, right? That was a thought. And when I, par- when, I, when I say, okay, and what else might be true? Okay, My mom is stubborn and it's because she's afraid. She's afraid of losing her independence, right? That shifts me a little bit. That thought opens me up to seeing her refusal to give up driving is not an act of defiance toward me. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with what it must be like to lose your freedom, to do what you want, when you want, right? And that question, it doesn't mean that I suddenly don't want her to stop driving. (laughs) It doesn't mean that she voluntarily stops driving. It means that The conversation we have about it is different. The conversation is more about, I know you're afraid. I know you're afraid. I know it's got to be hard to lose your independence. I'm afraid every time I know that you're out on the road, right? This is hard. I don't know what it's going to look like, but this is hard. Let's figure this out together. Knowing that sometimes we're going to mess it up. Sometimes I, as your daughter, I'm not going to do it right. And that's okay. I'm going to do the best I can each day, right? The tone of the conversation just changes enough. You know, you realize that we both have fear. Our fear is just coming from different angles. And when we can address that fear, you know it, it's so powerful. here Here's another thought. I mean, we hear this often, right? It's so hard having an aging parent. It's just so tough to have a parent who's aging. And when you say and what else is what else is true? So hard having an aging parent. And I wonder who I can become in this role, right? It's so difficult. I wonder what the next evolution of me through this is going to look like. What else is true? One thing I know for sure, our parents will one day, and their life is going to be complete. But we have a lot more control than we realize over how we experience whatever number of days they have remaining. We've got more control over that with how we choose to think about it. Harnessing that power of thinking intentionally about everything gives us the best chance of arriving at their end, sad, profoundly sad that they're gone and satisfied with how we navigated it. And we can actually stand at their grave and we will have no regrets. And that I think is a huge win for them and for us. I mean what more could we ask for really right
1: absolutely absolutely oh mary you just have have opened up thinking in in so many ways in so many different ways thank you thank you for 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 being with us thank you for your your voice and and your words of comfort and uh, and grace. Thank you.
0: Thank this. you. It has been my pleasure. It, it has truly been my pleasure. Thank you for letting me be here.
1: Well, I, I you know, truly I took notes and thought there are a couple <laughs> of other topics that we want to get into. Another So, many,
0: so <laughs> many possibilities that we can jump into and dive really deep into. That sounds fun to me.
1: That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But thank you for giving some great information about what may be fueling us and the impact that it has on us, as well as our loved ones. And AJ, thank you for being part of this podcast. We definitely will have you back again. Thank you also to you, our listeners, for joining us. We hope this podcast has been helpful to you and that you will share it with others you think may benefit. But before we end, we definitely want to thank Pace at Home in Hickory, North Carolina, our sponsor for this podcast and, and all of our podcasts this year. We are indeed grateful for their support. This program is part of the MESH network of online shows and podcasts. You may find more of our our caregiver community podcasts on any of the platforms where you listen to podcasts, but you also can find it on our website, www.acapcommunity.org. While you're on our site, we hope you will take a few minutes to learn more about ACAP, our educational programs, and our local chapters. And if there are other topics you'd like for us to address as a podcast, please do let us know. As we say so often in ACAP, regardless of our background, our education, our career, or anything else, when it's our mother, our father, our loved one who needs help, caring for and advocating for that person becomes very personal and extremely important. So please care well for your loved ones, but also remember to take care of you. Stay well. Bye for now.
0: You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community.